Wednesday, September 7th, and this is Season 7, Episode 6 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Rick. Hello. Jeff. Hello. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And, and introducing to the podcast, Peter, loyal listener Peter. Afternoon, boys. Well, I, uh, we always start the, uh, with a new uh, guest by asking how you became a Spurs fan, and I know you've been a Spurs fan a very long time. And that's not an old joke. Uh, it sounded like an old joke. <laughs> it was an old joke. And you were looking at it when you said it. <laughs> Your jokes come later. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. Um, six or seven, I suppose, is when I really got started. And I don't remember. Um, my dad's Chelsea. So, strictly speaking, I should be a blue. He was soft Chelsea, not hardcore. Um, but we had Tottenham in the family. We had some in-laws who were Tottenham. And my mum sort of steered me to those fellas. And they're the blokes that started taking me to the games. And it sort of steamrolled from there. My mum and dad didn't get on very well. Shortly after that, they got divorced. So I always thought, and the family rumour was, that it was spite that my mum sort of steered me towards Tottenham just to get at my dad. Now, that's pretty dark. And I've not independently verified that. But... <laughs> You know, and there my dad. Like there's a truth to that. Well, I mean, I, I've sort of had a chat with my dad a couple of times, and he's sort of shrugged his shoulders and you know, sort of sloughed it off. So I'm going with it. Ancestry.com. <laughs> you should check that out. I was going to say, or was that the reason they got divorced? Was because you know, she, she taught them, and he's like, I'm done with this family. I'm out. But when you think about it, I mean, that's that's a lifelong sort of like get back, which is pretty harsh. Um, but anyway, 80s shelf side, lower shelf, Park Lane end. Can, can you remember your first game? No way. Absolutely not. It was, as I say, seven or eight years old, um, and I don't remember what it was. I remember um, the clicking of the turnstiles, the green grass, the, all the smells, but the first game, I can't, can't remember. It's an um, excellent origin story, um, but I think we've got to move the conversation along because we have a shit ton to talk about today. Um, so let's first just uh, start by, is your day... Is everybody's day going better than Thomas Tuchel? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Tickles. We're still employed. <laughs> no, that's, uh, were you guys shocked by this? Uh, they're, they're sitting in fifth place, 10 points. Um, yes, they had a very bad Champions League game, but uh, Rick? Well, when I found out this morning, um, and then I thought about it, and then I listened to um, TalkSport, um, they actually described... Tuchel's um, demeanour over the last sort of five or six weeks and he's been very how should we say grumpy um, not as outgoing you know he had the he had the problem with Conte you know, so he looks fair grumpy against yeah, Conte um, <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean he, he's had altercations with players and management and stuff so it, 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 it's not a surprise that he got fired but it's curious why his demeanour has been so bad over a, a few weeks and I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it eventually but it, it's just it, it, it's not a surprise to me once I realised that yeah and I think I agree and I think that like one of the things is we just don't have all the answers we don't know so I, I think we're all kind of stunned by the actual getting sacked but I don't think it's because of yesterday's result because we all like we just mentioned a bad Champions League. You went on the road and you lost one nil. Like that's not the end of the world. I'm like, we just we went to Bayern Munich and lost by what we gave up seven goals. Like like so like that 
that that cannot be why it was. I'm sure there's a lot of underlying stuff, like Rick had mentioned with Tuchel and the way that he's been interacting with players and the management, and especially the new owners or whoever. So I'm sure there's a much bigger story that will come out. But yeah, I, I think we're all kind of stunned by it this morning. Well, the rumor was he was going to get fired no matter what happened mm-hmm. in that game. So and that points to you know, my point that something's been going yeah. on for a while. But the timing is a bit dodgy. I mean, they just spooged, you know, millions and millions of pounds on new players. Why don't you fire him before he picks off a dozen new players to come into the club? Yeah, that's that, that's my thing. Like, why spend it? And now whoever comes in, whether it's Graham Potter, I hope not Pochettino. Well. Uh, but, but whoever it is, like, they don't have a team that's built for them. Because you just spent all this money and then just shit can the guy you built it for. Especially young players, too, because young players have to deal with, like, like a guy like Cessignon, who's had three managers. Like, so a guy like Gallagher, who's this, like, new up-and-coming, he's been listening to everything that Tuchel said, like, law, and now it's like you got to see what else he can do. Well, plus you're the new manager. You come in and, yeah, you get Obama Yang. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Well, um, but, uh, well apparently you wanted him. That's, yeah, well, that's, that's right. Well, did you see Obama Yang's mask, by the way, yesterday as well? Yeah. It looked like... Yeah. But the rumors, the the stuff coming out of the athletic was basically that Bowley decided that Tuchel didn't have a long term outlook, that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't interested in having input into the player stuff and everything. That was all like a chore to him, and he wanted to have somebody who was going to help build the club going forward, whether you believe it or not. Um, Maybe it's just a thing where Bowley wanted to get his own guy in there. You know, Tuchel wasn't his guy, which is fine. But why not do it? before the window opens just get a clean slate when he was firing everybody else he's out the door as well I well I mean Bowley's whole background is baseball right and baseball is different you can fire manager whenever but um, you know maybe he doesn't understand you know, hey you sure. just set up a team for somebody but else hey, and you m- more chaos at Chelsea them, the better man. so I'm all for it well we're not a Chelsea podcast we're a Spurs <laughs> podcast so we should probably Thank get God. into this <laughs> um, today's match Marseille I, <laughs> Back in the Champions League for the first time in, what, three years now? Um, I think we were optimistic with this group. Uh, we can't, This was our probably the, the easiest match of the group, being that it's the, the lowest-ranked team and it's our home uh, fixture. Um, did it live up to your results? It was a little slow of a start. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I mean... Well, I was going to say, you, you can never really jump in on, like, the pot one versus pot four type mentality. And the last year we, we were, or the year we went to the Champions League final, our pot one team was Barcelona, and then our pot three was uh, PSV, and our pot four was Inter. And it's like Inter was the team that was the one rivaling against. Like, I mean, if you get handed Inter as your, if Inter Milan's your pot four team, it's like, that's some group that you're in. But, no, I, I thought that... Today did live up. I thought we did fine, and I, I know we'll get into that one or get into the game. But um, I thought the atmosphere was kind of it was the atmosphere kind of reflected the state of the game. It seemed like we seemed really slow getting out of the gates, and I'm sure Rick will bring up the commentating on that later. But yeah, today lived up. I mean, we we got the job done, and that's all. Like we have a disadvantage as an English team that not a lot of different. Like we talk about La Liga and these other like. Barcelona doesn't have to go play Bayern Munich and then have odds are they don't have El Clasico like waiting around the corner. It's in our league in in the Premier League like you have these it's like we had to play Fulham, a team who desperately wanted to beat us or get a result against us 
And then three days later, we're now playing our Champions League game. And then three days later, we have City away, one of the best teams, if not the best team on the planet. So it's like, that's the shit that we have to deal with. So it's for, it's just getting the result today is all it takes. It's like, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I thought Spurs were asleep. And then I thought I was asleep. <laughs> it, I mean, that first half was brutal. But um, the, the thing that really bothers me is, you know, as bad as we were at passing last year, I thought, oh, God, we'll definitely be much better at that this year, especially with Paris. Our passing is still terrible. I mean, we couldn't get the ball forward to the forwards, and when forwards had it, they couldn't keep it. I mean, it's, it's really miserable. I, I'm sure it'll improve. Hope going forward but oh it's really bad i'm gonna set up the t for you is this a midfield <laughs> problem rick yes. oh. <laughs> um okay i have a lot to say on this subject um you see uh, i agree with lucas you know, the result is um in this picture it's a home picture you want to get off to a good start you want to you have your home games and you have to win your home games in the champions league so the, the result is everything in, in this instance. But, but, um, there is a trend with this team and it's been going on basically every game since the first game. The first game we beat Southampton 4-1. We played pretty good and Southampton garbage. But ever since then, we've played awful. I mean, almost every game has been terrible. Um, now, see, when I say that, I say that because of, because of the way I want us to play and how I think we should play and I think how we could play. Um, Conte obviously has a different mentality to me. You know, he, he wants to, um, you know, have wing-backs and he wants to... Um, you know, have only two people in central midfield and have three players up front. And to my way of thinking, we just get outnumbered in midfield every game, every single game. We got outnumbered today, we got outnumbered against Fulham, we got out outnumbered against uh, West Ham. It, it, it's a trend. And I am screaming, screaming. But when we have a player like Son who really isn't playing well, why are we playing three up front? with a player that's not playing well, take him off and put the extra midfielder in so we, we can at least gain some control in the game. It, it, it's infuriating to me. But, you it, know, other, but other people look at it and say, that's how Conte wants to play. You know, um, you know I, I got really annoyed by the commentator in this game because he was, um, he was viewing the game in a funny way as I was viewing the game um, and he was emphasising my frustration with the team where we just don't have possession you know but the, the opposition is knocking the ball around in our half and we're just sitting back and sitting back and waiting for the break and it really annoys me uh, you know I think you're predominantly right there but I think there's something that we all have to get used to I mean and who are coaches and he has a style of play and he's not going to vary it all that much. I mean, he's just not. But, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. A hundred percent. And I'm with you. You know, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. But I think we're going to have to get used to it. The midfield issue, he really doesn't give a toss. Um, we need a couple of strong wing backs. We all know that. 
God bless Emerson in his cotton socks, he's not the fella, he's not going to work. And until he gets the players that he wants, then I think we'll see the team. At but, the moment, we're transitioning. But it doesn't matter, because if you think about it, in today's game, we've got one of the best left wing-backs in, in world football. He never touched the ball, the whole half, because the midfielders couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, and I, this was actually something that I wanted to go into more on the West Ham game, but I think this is as good a time as any to jump in on it. So I have a question is, I've been asked by several friends, family members, like what you thought of the summer window. And for me, it comes down to you're either in one of two camps. You're in camp A that says, I think Conti will be here for several years. Like, I think Conti will be here for the long term, or I think he's going to make a project out of us. And if that's the case, then I think you look at the summer window and you say, I think we did great. But if you're in camp B, which unfortunately I find myself in, which is which we've seen the trend that Conti leaves after two, three seasons tops, I, I think that we didn't do a good enough job in the window because we, we know he plays with a system, a system that is proven to win the league in multiple leagues and in the, on the international scale. Like, it's a proven system if you can play his way and you get his guys, you get them in. We know how important wingbacks are to him, and we did nothing to correct that. We brought in Perisic, which, let's be honest, we all love him because he can play in a good cross and a good set piece, but he's slow, he's aging, he's not going to have 90 minutes for every game this entire season. And on the other side, we brought in Spence and Udagi, who are guys for the future. One got immediately loaned back, one that we hope is ready to play by Christmas. So we didn't do enough to win now, and it's like, I see that being a massive problem because it's kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. It's kind of that, like what the midfield and the wingbacks need to be working in tandem. And if you don't have proper wingbacks, what is the midfield supposed to do? And if you don't have a midfield, what are the wingbacks supposed to do? So we, we, I, I don't think we did well enough to address either of those. We have the same two midfielders that we ran out last year. So why we're expecting them to somehow show up and all of a sudden be playing these incredible balls out wide or balls forward it's it's kind of as if teams have kind of sorted us out and know how to overrun us in the midfield and just expose all of our problems well i want to ask you this question rick um knowing that conte is who conte is and we have conte now um would you be okay with his system as it's being played if he were to bring in two superb midfielders that can play like I mean better than what we have right now and I like Benton Core I like Basuma I think he's uh, he's got potential um, I, mean, I like I, these guys but like if we had like the two best midfielders in the world and we were playing this Conte system do you, would you be happy with it and or, or it's also the wing backs we need better wing backs no we, no 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 it, it, the wing backs are um easy positions to fill you know they, they are in comparison to central midfielders central midfielders are the engine of the team they are the dictators of the play they are um, the players that make space for other players um, they are the defenders they are the attackers they are the creative element of the team wingbacks you know just need to be Fast and cross. That's it. That's really it. Um, whereas 
you know, high They're going to be able to beat their man, too. Well, if you're fast and you can cross, you'll beat your man. But you need to actually be able to take on your man, which is something we saw today in the game against Marseille with when Dayon came on. Dayon did more in about five minutes yep. than Royale did in the entire game from an attacking point of view. Now, yes, we had a man up, but they still had... It, it was still from the one-on-one position. It was still basic football things that you learn when you're a kid. Okay, if he's on you, like, run at him. Make him defend. And that's stuff that Rick has been, like Rick said, we've been poor. Rick's been bang on about that. Like, we haven't been making and forcing teams to defend. And Dayon did that in about five minutes. He made he made them look silly three or four times where Royale never did. And I can't take the piss out of Royale because I thought he played very well for what he can do. But he's just not good enough for what Conti's wingbacks need you to do. I just want to point out that I did say that Dayon would play wingback some this season, <laughs> mostly as a sub, uh, and I think I was right. You won. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I won that one. That, that was yeah. my battle. Drinks are um, on you. How about um, the Marseille match? Let's let's bring it back to that a little bit. Like, uh, um, we got a couple goals in this late. We got a red card first. Um, let's talk about the red card. Uh, Lucas? So what? that's a great one because I was actually really worried. And this this is how you know you're like just through and through Spurs is when you can say, we got a man advantage, and I immediately was worried that like this would bone us. <laughs> I was like, because I really liked the way we set up. I thought that our passing in the midfield was just a bit sloppy in the first half. But if we could have tightened up and just actually strung together one or two quick passes in the midfield, we could have had three or four really dangerous counterattacks with the three best counterattacking guys that you could put together on a team in Europe. Kane, Son, and Richarlison. Like, not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of counterattacking teams that are better than that. But so when we got the red card, I immediately panicked because I'm like, uh-oh, well, now we're a man up. They're going to sit behind the ball, and we're going to go to West, West Ham 2.0 where they just do exactly the same thing, let us have the ball, and we're not going to find a way to crack it. But luckily, we actually saw, like, a bit of skill in, like, I thought the actually switching to the four at the back was important, letting Perisic just have a free reign up front to not even worry about get back in the second or in our half and just start whipping balls in and putting, like, when you have, when you're consistently putting those types of balls in, with the man advantage, that means you're going to get one-on-ones against guys like Kane and Richarlison, and you're just not going to win. Eventually, they're going to crack it down, which we did. Well, and that was the scary thing was that even after the red card, the game didn't change much. You know, it was the same game. We were still sluggish, hard to get. You know, anything moving forward. You know, it was the the set pieces, the Richarlison. That was the thing we were told, right? Richarlison is awesome at headers. He's awesome at set pieces, and it totally is advertised today. So. Well, I was going to say, we can't forget Richarlison's first header, that one that he came in at the top of the box and, like, hit him, oh, yeah. hit him on the <laughs> hit, hit square. Hit like, he came seats. in just, I, like I said to Peter over here, I was like, well, we were watching the match. It looked like me in a Sunday league game where I just, you get one opportunity in the box and you freak out and just head it as hard as you can, and it ends up a, a Sissoko shot. But he was just toying with yeah, him, obviously. Yeah, he was just warming him up. Uh, okay, so um, let's talk about Richarlison a little bit here. The best Go. 60 million pounds we've spent uh, in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm looking well, at you, and Jeff. And Dombele's still on the table there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know what he's going to be. You know, Napoli won today. I'm sure Tange had a lot to do well, with it. When you, when you were talking about the, um, the, the transfer window, now, um, Richardson was the one player that we signed, which was 
not needed. Now, when, exactly. When when when, I, when and when I say that, you know, people are going to go, "Yeah, we needed a backup truck." No, no, no. We had a um, a, a squad that was had holes in it from from a Pochettino era. It had holes in it. You know, we 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 actually um, last season we had a, we had a twenty-one man squad for the Premiership because we had not enough players basically. Um, so we, so the transfer window that you you think was not very good was perfect because it filled all the holes that we had. The next transfer window is going to be the one that is you know uh, maybe not January because you know January is you know a, do- a dodgy window, but it's the next transfer window we don't have holes that need filling. We need to upgrade on players that we have, and so. Um, this transfer window was was the whole filler. The one exception was Richarlison. And what I would say is we won this game because we went all out and got that third striker. So when our two when our two strikers, you know, both both Kane and Son are not playing well, they haven't played well all season. We we bought the third striker and he's doing exactly what he was bought to do. Score the goals that the other two are not scoring. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think he's he's brilliant. Uh, against Fulham, he was he was outstanding. But let me ask you a question: If that sixty million could have been spent differently, would you have done? Would you have said, "Well, save the money, let's stick it on a couple of wing backs"? Would you have done that? No. No. He, he like I say, it, it was it was an extravagant purchase, but it was needed. And, and, I mean, there, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, there, there. I mean, there were, there are other positions in my mind that were more important. Like we needed another centre back. We definitely need a ball playing central midfielder because I think we're halfway through Conte's windows. Yeah, he's had two now. He needs four. I think we all know he needs four. He thinks he needs four. So what we're seeing is is a team halfway through. Richarlison, I think, was a genius move. I think he was there to be got. It was an unleavy move to spend that amount of money on a position that you said yeah. perhaps was not necessary. But the flexibility that he's giving us, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah and, and to be honest, like, I think that the, the other thing that he brings to the table is just that intensity that <laughs> for somebody, because again, when, when you have somebody new into the team, it takes, it's very rare that they come in and just inject this like enthusiasm and intensity into the team because usually they're trying to like fit their way into the team. The advantage of getting with Charleston is that he was able to come from the Premier League. He kind of knows some of the guys he's playing with. He has a bit of a Brazilian brotherhood in there with Lucas and Royale. And so there's like that's because again, Lucas Moore, I think, would be the other one that came in and just injected intensity into the, just because he's a lunatic. But that's what we saw today is that Sun and Kane just seemed a bit off. Which is fine. That's been them. They'll hit their stride. They will. But Richarlison today, I think we saw there was a couple opportunities that he had where he was he found himself in the right space. He was willing to take guys on. He was the driving force for us for the majority of the game. So I was so happy that he was the one that found those two goals because I was like, he deserved them more than anyone on the pitch. Like he that was him today was like he was our catalyst. So to see him be at the end of those two headers was awesome. Well, tell me, Lucas. Then is he your MVP? Let's go to um, MVP. LB. Yeah, God, yeah. 
gotcha. But again, I would like to say, at halftime, I would have said it was Royale. So <laughs> Royale was he was probably my MVP for the first half, but the entire game, yeah, Royale. Well, or, those two uh, players Jesus, were combining really well, weren't they? Yeah. Richarlison was. I, uh, I thought they were. Uh, there was just a little bit off on the final, uh, getting into the final third, but they were getting the ball through the midfield together with just a lot of creativity. Yeah, he's definitely my MVP today, Richarlison. But it was also really cool to see how much excelling in Champions League meant to him like he was bawling with his family after the game like that was that meant the world to him and I'm like hey yeah. we're here for it so if you want to keep doing that in Champions League games we'll cry along <laughs> feel free you. to be great yeah, we'll, we'll sob here at the pub let's go to Peter next yeah totally Rishi I mean we get uh, we could uh, chat on about him for the next 20 minutes just purely on his own and, and you're saying the emotion that the fella brings we'll probably cover this later at Fulham 95th minute um, he won a header and was pumping his fist like, uh, you know, he'd scored a goal. So the fella is bringing that sort of intensity naturally, and that's just infectious, and it will spread through the club. So that sort of turnover, I think, alone is important. So Rishi all the way. Jeff? Yeah, it was Richarlison. I mean, the first couple games when he came off the bench, he changed every game that he entered. So, I mean, he's been great throughout, and he managed to, you know, make English football go insane in that uh, Forest game, too. So, everything, he, and cry more. So, everything he's done has been great. So, MVP today. And it looks like he's going to get a lot of starts, too. Uh, Rick? Oh, yeah, Richarlison, definitely. Um, I, have, I have a big problem with him. Because, because uh, you're English. <laughs> no, because I'm not as fickle as normal fans. Um, you know, I I spent a lot of time hating him at Everton. And, yeah, yeah. And because he just suddenly signed for Tottenham, doesn't automatically mean I like him. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah, but you didn't hate him because he was a racist or <coughs> a monster. You hated him because he was edgy and annoying. Yeah, I mean, would dive, okay. I mean, I mean, like, dive and roll yeah. around and did uh, and did yeah. all of that. But he hasn't done any of that since he's been with us. Um, he did the keepy up, which annoyed everybody, apart from anybody sensible. Um, so you know, I'm 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 coming round to him. I, I really am, but I don't automatically like him. Uh, that was that's the thing. The point I was trying to make. And some of that might be the coaches want him to do some of that. Like, uh, and he's done a little divey stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. We we can't lie. Like there has been some. But uh, uh, but it, I, I agree with you that it's been reduced since he's been with us. It's, oh, it certainly has. Yeah, and I think that probably has a lot to do with Conte. But um, we're unanimous here. It's obviously Richarlson. Uh, let's go to LVP and, and go back. What? Oh. Son. Oh. Easy. Oh. He should not oh, have been. Yeah. He should not that. have been on the pitch. He should not have been on the pitch. He shouldn't. He, he, you know, he won the penalty because he ran away from the defender. The defender pulled him down, but blah 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 blah. blah. Um, but apart from that, he did nothing. I mean, literally nothing. Uh, away. He had a he had another really nice run in the first half. He had that really great ball that he played to Royale that got us our first chance. Like it was. Look, I'm with you. I think I think we're all unanimously going to say Suns the LVP, yeah. bar the commentator that was clearly <laughs> either from. Marseille or like has family in Marseille, Marseille. his wife from or something like that was the craziest bit of commentary I've ever heard he was like chatting about how nice the red card was the guy's a lunatic but aside from that I think we're all going to say son but I do want to just note that it's it's difficult to throw him under the bus when it wasn't like Kane was doing much better so it's we just have this thing where we're just waiting for son to click so I think when you get, it's the same kind of thing with Hoybear, where we're all so ready to jump on Hoybear when he doesn't have the best day ever. 
it's I think that we were always kind of looking for Sun to be the LVP today, so he's kind of like. But yeah, I I, I do agree. Well, what, he, he, he lost the ball a lot. Well, see, what it, what it is with Sun is he's an instinctive player, and at the moment he's overthinking everything. So you, you wouldn't have started him today? No. no. But, but do you think that like taking him off at this point actually creates more of a problem than just kind of letting him sort himself out? He's a professional footballer. You've got to man up. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, man uh, up. There's your podcast title. <laughs> who who doesn't have Sun, Peter? Do you have I have Sonny, unfortunately. Have pains well. me to say. Yeah. yeah. Jeff? It's real close between Sun and Kane. Uh, together, they made one nice move, right? Yeah. Kane released Sun on that big on the big run where he got hauled down and got the red card, and that was the sum total of their involvement today between the two of them. So, yeah, and uh, I think we might see that a lot as we try and build a new style where that doesn't rely on them and that wants the forwards forward and we have to get the ball to them to, to well, make that work. Well, uh, this is the problem because you have Kane coming into midfield, you have Sun coming into midfield because we're, un, we're outnumbered in midfield. So they're doing multiple jobs when their one job, being a striker or a forward, they're not doing very well. So they're doing multiple jobs when they're not doing their one job well you know it's it's you know I'm, I'm gonna keep harping on about this central midfield problem until he solves it but we're grinding out the results Do which I, I hate yeah. well we've, we've become grand grind it out FC at the moment yeah which yeah. I hate right. okay well uh, I, I'm gonna move this conversation along uh, we're gonna talk about the West Ham game first so we have to go into the Wayback machine and go back to like a, b- about a week ago uh, where we <laughs> where we played uh, West Ham um, so this, um, I, you know, this was our first London derby of the season. It was, well, it was no, we, Chelsea away as well. Oh, we, we had Chelsea. Chelsea. Fuck, I mean, I'm, what am I saying? But like, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, this this was one that we're like we're like Chelsea. We didn't think we were going to win, um, and we were happy to get the draw. Uh, this was one that we came into it thinking like, this is a team that's ripe for the picking right now. They're at the bottom of the table they finally got their first points so they they weren't going to come after us as hard as they would have if they were still seeking their first point but eh, it didn't go so well well and again going into it you can never sit there and say oh west ham away like they're ripe for the picking like it doesn't matter if west ham's lost 40 games on the bounce they will always show up for tottenham at home that is their cup final this is what they care about more than life itself so they were always going to be up for it. The part that bugs me is that them being up for it, they still looked shit. They did nothing. But they had the perfect game plan against us, which was let us have the ball. And that's where we had Benton Kerr out. We had no Romero. So that was where it was It was always going to be dodgy in the fact that we didn't know like how are Basuma and Hoybeer going to pair up together. And it looked horrendous. They let us have the ball, and we had, and that, that's probably where I was the most afraid, and that's kind of where I touched on it in, about the game against Marseille, where the only time that I actually felt nervous about the game was when we had the man advantage, and Marseille was just going to let us have the ball. Because we've not proven that we can actually crack teams that are going to park the bus and let us have the ball. We had mounds of space to run into. Nobody ran into space. Nobody had a clue in the midfield as to what they were supposed to do. I think Dyer had more touches and passes like in in their own, like in the West Ham half than Kane or Son combined. So it was the whole game was 
even we watched it here at the pub. We were laughing about every time they would pass it back to Dyer and then pass it back to Hugo, which you never know how that's going to go, as we found out. But it, it seemed that we had no clue what to do against a team that let us have the ball. And I think everything we said about the Marseille match, we can say about the West Ham match, and we're going to say about a lot more matches going forward. I mean, it's not a creative team. It's not a team that passes well. Um, you know, we're just going to have to grind stuff out. This is what we have to live with. And again, in this match, Kane and Son did hardly anything. They combined the once, and, and Son forced the own goal. But, you know, Kane was pretty terrible. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of winning ugly, apparently, this year. Son was trying pretty hard in this one. <laughs> well, he always tries. <laughs> it's just the end product doesn't go. Well, yeah. I mean, and the, the main thing, too, and I know, Peter, I'll give you a second here, but the other thing is it's, it's hard, again, to blame Kane and Son. Like, what were they supposed to do? Like, bar them coming in and just becoming the midfield duo themselves, like, there's literally no way to get them the ball. And that's where in Conti's system, against a team like this, you need – there's a couple ways that we've seen, like, in past Conte systems, the way that you crack teams like that. Either diagonals from the back – which we didn't have Romero, so who was going to do that? We, we tried that in, in, like, I mean, Dyer had a few crazy ones, and, like, it, it was, there was, like, Dave Sanchez is going to be, like, launching balls forward. So, like, we couldn't take that option into play. And then the other option is you need to get out wide and have your wingbacks actually make them defend, which they did not. So our wingbacks didn't actually force West Ham to do anything, so the whole game plan then became, Hoybeer, you and Basuma, figure a way out. Like, figure us a way to crack them, which was never going to be the answer. Well, and we ruined Sanchez's uh, goal streak, too. I mean, right? Jesus. Ever since last year. Yeah, um, yeah that was painful. Now we, now we gave one Well, up. it did highlight that, you know, Bentoncourt and Romero, how important they are. Um, we didn't realize quite how important until that game. I was looking forward to the match. It's West Ham. We have had an awful London derby record over the last couple of years. Just Dreadful. This was an opportunity to start clawing back some of that London Derby stuff. I was I was interested to see Basuma. Let's let's give him a run. That lasted about twenty minutes, and then he got his card and became, you know, invisible. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we couldn't get out of our first third. Even if we got it up to the front, it was a dreadful, dreadful game. It was really quite depressing. Um, we'd been able to justify a few of the games before that. But that really was a step in the wrong direction. See, the, the, the trouble with Conte's system, um, you know, the counter-attacking system means that when you do have the ball and you have the majority of the ball, you don't know what to do with it. The other uh, detriment to that system is if you're a counter-attacking team, meaning you, give, you let the other team have the ball, you let a team like West Ham, who've not won a game, not scored a goal, no confidence. You give them confidence. You let them pass and pass and pass. And as the game progresses, they get better and better and better. Because, you know, I'm not specifically the West Ham game, but any opposition that you play, you're giving them confidence by letting them play. Uh, you know, and, and I hate that. I want us to dominate teams. But, but you can't argue that it works. I mean, the, the, 
<laughs> that that Chelsea team that that won the league under Conte, they yeah. they were playing this type of ugly. That's type kind of the point. That's kind of it was like one deal all the time. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, it, 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 he's a winner and he wins stuff, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> but you like the trophy, though. But again, I, I just I don't think that's fair to say that we like gave West Ham confidence. We didn't give West Ham confidence. We gave them a free goal. By pa- we, we literally passed it back to Hugo for no reason. West Ham, again, we had, what, 62 to 63, 65, somewhere around there? Like, what's that? 62% of the possession? West Ham, and again, I know it's not all about possession, but West Ham did nothing to threaten us for the vast majority of that game. It wasn't until it was 1-1, 80-plus minutes that they started getting the odd chance here and there, which 80 minutes should have been plenty of time for us to bury that fucking team. And we didn't because we didn't know what to do in the midfield and we didn't know how to react to a team that was letting us have the ball. We didn't give, like, West Ham wasn't, it wasn't like one of those games where you're, like, playing Man City and you're like, oh, my God, you can just feel the goal coming. It, they weren't doing anything to create. Every time they won the ball, they just fucked it and we took it right back. And then we would stand there at midfield, recycle it between Basuma, Dyer, and Hoybeer, and then maybe give Hugo the out shout to give them a opportunity in our final third. But we did nothing to give them. It wasn't like they took confidence from us and ran with it. We just did nothing to put them away. That, that They were ripe for the taking, and we just didn't because we didn't know how to actually handle that game. And I think Peter made a great point about Basuma's yellow card. I think once Basuma had the yellow card, it was just... A matter of, I, I think maybe he felt he had to adjust his game because we've all seen Basuma dominate Premier League games, and that's what we were all hoping for, and he didn't, and we just had no options. Just a, like a side note too, what is going on the last couple of weeks with Hugo and his punches? All of a sudden, he's like punching the ball at really weird, inopportune moments. Like there was a really scary one today too. Um, that is um, not receiving a call from his defenders. Because what happens, you know, the goalkeeper is focused on the ball. He's not focused on what's around him or whatever. So the defender will give him a shout and say, you've either got time or you've got no time. So they'll shout, time. If he, if, he, if he hears time, he'll catch the ball. If he hears no time, he'll punch the ball. And because he's not getting the call from whoever, he's punching the ball because he doesn't know what's around him. Well, Fair and point. I, yeah, and I, and again, Hugo's decision making's been horrible, and his distribution obviously is what led to the West Ham goal. And it kind of goes down, and we'll we'll talk about the Fulham game as well. But it, the thing that bugs the hell out of me is we all went into that game saying there's only two players on West Ham that are going to score today. There's only two. It's going to be Suchek or it's going to be Antonio. It's one of those two. That's only two people that were going to hurt us. And of course, it was we gave them Hugo's ridiculous pass out of bounds that just leads to a quick throw to Antonio dueling it out and handing a freebie to Suchek. But my thing is, I used the analogy when I was hanging out with Peter outside the bar when we watched West Ham, was it's like having a Ferrari or a if If you have a Chevy Impala from 2006 and you're mad at it for not being a Ferrari, well, it's not its fault. Like It's, it's a Chevy Impala. That's what it's supposed to be. We all know Hugo can't do anything from a like distributing point of view. So why did Dyer randomly, under no threat of pressure, just need to whip it back to Hugo? Like, what did we think was going to happen? Hugo was going to take the ball calmly and hit a 70-yard diagonal ball to Kane in stride? No, of course not. It was always going to be a 90% chance he bashes it out of play and something dumb happens. So like, let's nix that from like nix that in the bud and stop relying on Hugo to be part of our buildup and attack. 
Um, I, I love your car analogy thing, and if I if I wanted to describe the team, the team is a Ferrari, but it's in second gear the whole time. You and sure looked it against West That's, that's how <laughs> I view it. Okay, uh, let's go to MVP, LVP here. Um, let's start with uh, Rick this time, MVP. MVP, I have no idea because I don't even remember the game. It seemed like a long time ago now, um, right? I'm presuming Decky. Because <laughs> you I had, I had always plays well. Decky or Perisic, I think, yeah. from memory. Yeah, no, I, th- I think those are fair guesses. Anybody have anybody different? I had nobody because I just I don't remember anybody being good. I think it was pretty much all co LVP. This was a concerning match. I, I think this is the uh, this is the point of this one. This this one brought up a lot of concerns that like if we can't execute the Conte system right, then uh, maybe a point at West Ham's okay. But it seems like the, 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 this was three points for the picking to to me. Um, like, you know, Chelsea will take that point every day of the week, but this one seems like uh, should have been more than a point. It was um, an opportunity missed, and I think it was one of those things that if you looked at the result in the paper the next day without watching the game, you thought, West Ham away, I'll take the point. But watching the game, dreadful. An opportunity missed, I think. Well, I, I always post a rant after the games, and this rant for this game was basically me being suicidal. <laughs> so if you haven't read the rent for this one, read it because it was yeah, I was in a bad mood then. Yeah, day. I don't think I had no MVP either, so I think we can let's start with LVP with Lucas then. It feels harsh, but I'm gonna have it to I'm gonna give it to Hoy Bear. Um again I use my own analogy here, like it's I don't think it's fair to expect him to be more than he is, but at the same time I'm like, you're our leader. Uh, you, you had more than enough space every time you had the ball to drive it in and try and create something. And for a guy that's been around these players, you have enough relationships. Basuma doesn't have the relationships built with our players that he has. So I, I can't blame Basuma. So I'm like, Hoiberg. I can. Hoiberg. Me too. Well, not as much as I can blame Hoiberg. I'm like, Hoiberg, you have to create something. Do anything to try and move the ball forward and make West Ham defend. And we didn't. His number one best pal was... Dyer sitting 10 yards behind him to just recycle it out to. Peter? Yeah, I am going to blame Basuma, probably perhaps unfairly, but I was expecting a bit more that I just didn't see. Um, he was completely ineffective, um, with the caveat of the card. And I don't think Hugo, um, on his 10-year anniversary, um, really uh, did anything to uh, warrant anything that a LVP either. So it's between those two, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I'd go with Hugo. I mean, car analogy, he was more like the Pinto, which explodes in this one. So. <laughs> uh, Rick? Um, Bissouma. Um, he hasn't looked like last year's player at all for us. I mean, not even slightly. I mean, he did have COVID while we were in South Korea. And ever since then, I, I haven't seen anything, anything from him. At all. To be fair, though, I'm like, he's been getting 10 minutes of pop. It's like us taking the piss out of... Uh, yeah, but in, in 10 minutes, you can make up one, one good pass. You can make one run. It's like us taking the piss out of Vincent Janssen when we got him. Because it's like, wow, this guy was a legend. But it's like he got five minutes at the end of every game and we were up one goal. It's like, yeah, but what was why he supposed he, to do? Yeah, but so why, is he, why is he in the game five minutes? Well, why is he in the game well, 10 minutes? That's, well, why isn't he replacing um, Holberg? Well, we'll, I think I think we'll see it. Everyone's gonna. We have a ton of games coming up. I think we'll see plenty of minutes between Hoybear, Skip is back. I think we'll see Hoybear, Skip, 
uh, Basuma and Bentonker. I think we'll see them getting rotated around plenty. So I'd I like, want to see three of them at once. Uh, I, that, <laughs> me too. You might have to wait a long time, mm-hmm. Rick. Uh, but uh, I'll agree with Rick with Basuma. Um, I think this is a good place to go to half. The second half, we are going to c- talk about the Fulham game a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the end of the transfer window, and we'll preview the upcoming city and uh, uh, sporting matches. But first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. All right, ladies and gents, we have Luke's Locks. Time to win some free money. First up, we're going to take Chelsea. I hate giving this pick, but Chelsea minus a half goal away at Fulham. Despite this being a big derby day for Fulham, I expect the headlines all week to be about the Chelsea manager situation, and I think we'll see the Chelsea players step up and defend a little bit of their own honor here and get a comfortable win on the road. So take Chelsea minus a half goal away at Fulham. Next up, we're going to take over two and a half goals in West Ham at home versus Newcastle. West Ham sits with four points in six games and will be desperate for a good performance at home. Newcastle is looking to bounce back after their sluggish nil-nil draw at at home against Palace last week. So I think we'll see both teams come out, be aggressive, and plenty of goals to be had. So take over two and a half in the West Ham at home against Newcastle. Third on the docket, we're going to take United away at Palace. Minus a half goal for United. Uh, This pick's basically riding off United's momentum. They seem to have finally figured it out, and I think we'll see them ride that momentum to a comfortable win away at Palace. So take United minus a half goal away at Palace. Last up, we're going to take Leeds minus a half goal at home against Forest. Uh, We all know that Leeds is very capable of showy, exciting football at home and scoring plenty of goals at home, and Forest has proven themselves incapable of scoring at all this season. So I think this one's a no-brainer. Take Leeds minus the half goal at home against Forest. There you go. There's your four free money picks. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks as always, Lucas. Uh, we're going to start the conversation uh, this half uh, with just a very quick conversation about um, the window. So the window closed. We talked about it a little bit in the first half. Uh, so we're just going to touch on it with our, our score of this one. And we're going to use a 1 to 10 scale. Um, so uh, no zero. Um, no uh, 10.5. Give me your 1 to 10 scale for for the window. Uh, let's start with Rick. Um, like I said earlier, we had holes to fill in this squad, and we filled all the holes. We didn't go above and beyond, which would have been a 10, so I'll give it a 9. Nine's pretty good. Okay, uh, Jeff, what do you got? Um, I'll give it a 7. I heard that we were going for Zaha on the last day, and if we'd gotten him, that would have made it a 9. But I'll go with seven. Seven, okay. Uh, so a little bit less. Um, Peter? And I'm going to split right down the middle and go eight. Solid B. Um, I think Rick is right. I think we hit a lot of the holes. Um, and this is halfway through the project. We get eights in every one of these windows. I think we'll be flying. Yeah, good point. Uh, uh, Lucas? Yeah, uh, mine's actually way lower. Uh, I actually said five. I think we the Richardson one was big. But as Rick had pointed out, that wasn't a hole. That was an add-on. Um, I don't think we did enough to boost in the midfield, and I don't think we did enough to boost at the wingbacks now. Um, again, now, that's under the impression that Conti stays. If Conti leaves, I think – or, excuse me, mine is under the impression that Conti will be leaving us shortly. So we didn't really do anything to boost the wingbacks bar Perisic. So if, if he stays and this is a project, then 
I agree, this could be a nine. Like, we got potential wingbacks for the future. But in Conti's system, you know it's just centralized around your wingbacks, and we didn't address it. I'm going to differ with you a little bit. I I think we we brought in a lot of players. Some of them are for the future. Some of them are, are for now. Um, we brought in a guy like Richarlson that is not a guy that we ever would have bought before that would have been surplus to requirements. But I think that shows some intent, which uh, to me, like to bring in that many players is a good window. Could we have brought in more? Certainly. And I think people that will complain most will say that, like, oh, Levy opened up all this money, that um, we didn't use it all. But I, I don't think you use that all in, in a window with the World Cup. And I'm happy with this window. I'm going to give it uh, 8.5. Like, I think um, we filled the holes, as Rick said. Um, there's still some uh, upgrades that are needed. Um, but uh, I don't think we we can expect much better than we got. Like, uh, um, Rick wants to jump in real fast. Yeah, I just want to make one comment. I think if we'd actually sold the players that we loaned, you know, because we loaned four players um, that were completely surplus to requirements, if we'd actually managed to sell those players, we would have used the money to, to buy more players. I think it, I think that hindered us, hindered us a little bit. And we did that to ourselves to a certain extent because we... Look, said, not, said that they weren't that they were surplus that we put them to the side and then we um, we made teams think okay well we don't want them why do we want them loans were all we were going to get in that certain situation uh, uh, you, you want to jump in there real yeah fast and I just wanted to put a quick caveat on my pessimism or perceived pessimism on that window is I just want to remind people that yes with not being able to sell those players a lot of that is stuff that no one really takes into consideration in the fact that only the Premier League right now is set up financially enough where the teams have money to spend. Most of the power teams and teams in different leagues don't have a lot of money to spend right now, so we were never going to get the value that we wanted to on a lot of those players. And then the other one is I am really excited about, I think, the Richarlison thing is it's so different because it shows a different way of spending because it's the first time in I can't remember how long that we haven't replacement bought. We're known for doing replacement spending where we lose... Erickson, and we're going to lose Erickson, so then we buy La Celso. Or we're losing Ndombele, so we buy Ndombele. We're losing, like, uh, Kyle Walker, so we then go out and buy. This is the first time, as Rick had pointed out, like, we didn't need to buy. We just added on. So this wasn't replacement buying. This was let's go for it buying. So I, I do, I, I am excited. Um, so I just don't want my five rating to be, that's just me being pessimistic in the sense that I don't think Conti's going to stick around that long. But I am excited about the way we have things set up with Paratici and Levy. Well, it does sound pretty pessimistic, I have to say. And leading on from that, you realistically just don't think Conte's going to be around for... And that's it. Yep, that's, that's all it is. That's so all my optimism about he needs four windows, he's not going to yeah, get to four right. windows. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's our difference. But, but he does get four windows at most places he goes, doesn't he? You would think so. Yeah, he normally starts in the beginning of a season, so that makes it a little bit easier. But um, and and we, you know, in this window, we we, we started buying players um, that perhaps Conte was not even terribly keen on. Spence. I mean, we've subsequently heard from Conte that well, he wasn't really my signing. The, the club sort of signed him. So we're we're flashing cash on people that you know perhaps Conte doesn't even necessarily want. Um, the other thing about this window is it's one that may look 
even better in a year or two because Spence and Udoji are both for the future and they both look really good and we got this Will Lancashire kid um, academy kid who's supposed to be like one of the better striker prospects in England so yeah there's a lot of kids who may come good later yeah bring it home Rick yeah I'll I'll bring it home with one more comment Um, this window we did exactly how I wanted us to do it we bought the players first and then tried to get rid of the, the crap afterwards. We didn't have uh, a mad scramble with Redknapp hanging out of a car window on the fucking lo- last day. We didn't have that, which I'm so grateful for. And we also had that $50 million, like we actually paid Romero off. That's something that was also supposed to be on yeah, the book. People, so that's something a lot of people don't yeah, think yeah, about. Pe- yeah. yeah, people forget about that. You know, Romero we officially had that signing and we had still to pay had to buy him. Yeah, we still got to buy Decky too, so. Yeah, no good. Good shouts there. Yeah. Good conversation. There'll be more to be said about that as we go on. But let's talk about this Fulham match. Uh, so uh, we went into this one. I think uh, we were feeling a little bit down from the performance uh, uh, against West Ham. Well, Rick was feeling suicidal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we um, we did change up this perform our performance in the sense that we we had more of the possession, which you'll like to to see. Not by much. But uh, we weren't just letting them control the game like we did West Ham. Um, we, we we fought pretty hard. We found ways to score goals. What are you guys thinking on this one? I think Jeff had his hand up first. Yeah, the big difference here was we started Romero and Longley, right? Two center backs who could advance the ball and pass the ball, and it made a huge difference. We were moving the ball up the field like nobody's business for a change. Um, and we were much more attacking and looked much more competent. And it was a much more entertaining game. Bettinger was back, too. And yep. Bettinger was back. So well, We made five changes, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and we've been waiting to see that. Like, we've yeah. been talking about for weeks now, like, uh, when are we going to see any, some rotation? It was a breath of fresh air. It really was. Yeah. Well, but, but, see, that goes back to the, uh, the transfer window. Because last year, if we changed five players, we, the, the quality of the team would have went way down. Now, this time we changed five players and the quality actually went up because we got, you know, Romero came in, Bentacle came in, Ling, Lingley came in, um, you know, uh, so the team was actually better in some ways uh, with, with, with five changes. And that's why I give our transfer window uh, such a high rating because that would not have happened last season. Yeah, good, fair point. Um, let's talk about these goals a little bit. So, um Hoybier, like uh, I know, a lot of us have we've My had guy. A, a lot of mixed conversations on this guy. He's, um, in some uh, some sense, we're saying he's not good enough. In some sense, uh, we're, um, he get he gets ranked. He gets these man of the matches all the time that, that that say that he is doing something, whether that's our viewpoint or not on this podcast. But there's something there that's going on and he got his goal here uh, um, is that just getting forward is that what, what was this goal about Rick well I, I don't really want to talk about the goal I want to talk about Hoiberg himself um, he's like 50% of a world class central midfielder what he does well he does very well what he does Badly, he does very badly. You know, he he can't 
pass worth a shit. He, you know, he really can't. Um, he can't retain the ball. He can't, um, you know, keep possession of the ball and make space for other players. He can't do that. What he can do is he can tackle. He can be involved. He can get forward. He can prod home a goal. Uh, you know, what he does well, he does very well. But what he does badly, he does very badly. And that's why I think a lot of our fan base is very, you know, up and Bipolar. down. Bipolar. Yeah. He, Hoiberg has two skills that you probably don't think of as skills that very few of our players have. One, he can stay healthy, right? He's an Iron Man. He can play all the time, which is valuable for us with so many games that we that we have to get through. The other one is he gets stronger at the end of matches, right? You could think of a lot of games, especially like Leicester last year, where he made a real difference coming down the stretch. And I think I don't think it was fun, but there was another game this year, right, where like he was carrying the ball forward and burying it and Chelsea. killing time. Chelsea, yeah. yeah. So. You know, and those those are valuable skills. He's not the best all-around player. He's definitely not my favorite midfielder, but but he contributes in those ways. The other thing, he is a terrible passer, but once a game, he'll come up with a beautiful through oh, yeah. ball. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, the lob yeah. pass to the center of the box. Uh, yeah. If you look at if you look at look no further than a few hours ago, uh, Richarlison's second goal today was a ball in. That ball in was from Hoiberg. Yeah. So he can put those balls in every once in a while. And for me, it's. I get excited that at least he's trying. It, it, so it seems like in the final third, he's willing to like get creative and experiment and try stuff. I mean, he has more goals. He has two goals in the Premier League this season. Son and Richarlison have nil. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's... Richarlison, oh, in the Premier yeah, League. In the yeah, Premier League. Sorry. Richarlison has none. Son has none. Hoiberg has two. So he is willing to make runs and try stuff, which is all that was. And, and, and when you have guys of the caliber of... Kane, Son, Richarlison up top, who we had up top against Fulham in that first half when Hoiberg got that goal. It was all that took was him to do a run because there's just not enough Fulham defenders in the box. They're like, well, I can't leave my man and leave Kane open. I can't leave my man and leave Son open. I can't leave my man and leave Richarlison open. So Hoiberg gets a little bit of a free look. And so if you're willing to be adventurous and courageous and take those chances, it pays off, and it's nice to see that he seems to be willing to do that in the final third, not so much when it's at midfield and they have men behind the ball. That's when we see the Hoiberg that drives us all insane. But in that final third, there's really not that I have a lot to complain about about Hoiberg. I think he's great there. Well, I was one of those fellows that kind of jumped off the Hoiberg bandwagon mid-season last year. And upon reflection, you know, I should have stayed firmly on the bandwagon. Last year he was knackered. I mean, we all know that. To your point, Jeff, we did flog him like a second-hand horse. Um, and he just ran out of puff. He just did. But every manager that we've had plays him and plays him constantly. Um, and uh, Rick, long-term, is he part of this, this mythical midfield that you won? No. Because he does have his um, pass-the-ball straight-out-of-place Sissoko moments. So he's a placeholder. Yeah. Or, but, but again, I don't think it's as cut and dry as like, who's your starting 11? I don't think you can win in this league unless you have two sets. So it might be, say, Basuma and Skip are our number one, and Hoiber and Bensonker are our number two. Like, there needs to be enough rotation. I think he is more than, like, he's, and his leadership qualities, he's absolutely somebody that you need in that rotation. But if it's like cup final day, we're going at it, who's your strongest 11? 
I don't think he's the guy you want in there. No, he's, he's the player you play against Fulham, not against Which Man in, in exactly, but you need, not against those, Man City. you need those guys. So it can't be as simple as like, you're either good enough or I bin him off. It needs to be, yeah, he's part of, the, he, he needs to be part of like the rotation. But he got the goal against Fulham. And he looked, and it was a great goal. Yeah, it, great run, he got great in a ball, great position. Goal. Yeah, like, it, and you have to give him credit for that. Because we're not getting a lot of those out of the midfield. Well, it's uh, been what we've been wanting for years. Goals yes. from other parts of the pitch. Goals we just, that don't come from Kane inside. Absolutely. So we have to give him his kudos, and we need more of that. That can't just be the the occasional popping. We need goals from across the pitch. Um, Corn, it's, uh, I'd like to see him step up and get a goal now and then. Absolutely. Um, uh, I think we need to get it more from the defenders. Uh, um, I mean, well, Dyer could have had one yeah. this week, couldn't he? Against Fulham, he was in six-yard box. Yeah, Dyer still the has ball. more Premier League goals than yeah. Son and Charleston this year. I, so I bet you Skippy is going to be a goal scorer once he really gets going. Well, that's the other thing. We're not even ten games in, ten games in yet. After ten games, we can start to settle down. We can see where everything is starting to fold into place. But none of us know what our best midfield is yet. Well, I, I think we have an indication because um, Holberg. Um, was lacking Benton Core against West Ham, and we played crap. Holberg had Benton Core against Fulham, and they played so much better. Yeah, uh, but yeah. but do, do you think that means Basuma is terrible, or do well, you think it just he had a bad run? They, he, it took him a while to get up to speed. He got that yellow card early, no, so which kind of took him out of the game. No, I don't see. I don't think it's it, it's it's the players' fault. I think it's the combination of players that work or don't work. I still think it was a matter of, and kind of tying it back into this Fulham game, is I think it was a matter of how West Ham set up. Fulham, I thought for sure they were going to be like, okay, we just saw what West Ham did. Let's do exactly that, like replicate that. But they still had a bit of that bravado where they wanted to come out and get a result away. And like they, you saw them, them coming forward. They had a couple of like runs down. That is like suicide if you're going to play us at White Hart Lane. Like you're just that's just a dumb move. You need to sit there. Like look at West Ham. Even when we went up one 0 against West Ham, they still sat back and said, well, "All right, we'll let you kick it around." And we eventually kicked it around in our back half long enough that we fucked up and gave them a free goal. Well, and, so, and, and you're right. We were close to opening up Fulham on multiple. Yeah, oh my occasions. goodness! And so because Fulham occasions. kept Fulham kept pressing forward, like trying to press us when what they should have been doing was sitting back. And that's where it's like. And that's where we kind of saw them kind of write their own death warrant. Was once we went one nil up with that Hoybier goal, they had no other option than to come forward. And then it just became, how many are we going to win this by? Well, and to the point of opening them up, right? We had two offside goals, hit the woodwork two other times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, yeah, it could have been a complete manslaughter. And, 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 and to your point, um, that's why we're so successful against Liverpool and Man City, because you know they're bravado. They have. They don't play three at the back, they play two at the back with two wing backs and they push up the field. And that is basically hanging, handing us an opportunity to get in behind them. It's, it's, it's what we do. Um, I don't like it, but it's what we do. And what we do it well, and, it, and that's what I'm excited about. We and have done it well. We haven't done it well this season. And until, I think we're still practicing. Yeah. But yeah, and until you put the positions or the players in position around guys like because my dream would be for Harry Kane to not have to be deep ever even though he's one of the best distributors of the ball from the midfield I've ever seen he's like Glenn Hoddle on steroids but despite that I would rather him be up top 
because he's the best goal scorer in the world too. So I'd rather him be up top and have midfielders that can do that job and not have Harry waste his time in too deep. But until we get those place or pieces into place, we're going to see Harry continually being the one that's dropped deep, laying balls into Richarlison and Son on these counter The third and midfielder that's the number 10. Exactly. Well, that's what we need. And Harry did have a goal in this match as well, so we should give him his due here. Um, he's been putting together a pretty good season, hasn't he? Harry's doing he's Harry Mr. things. He's Mr. August. No, he's <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wasn't Fulham the first goal he ever got in August, too? Wasn't that, no, wasn't it at Wembley when oh, well, a long time ago? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Uh, that but, was like his first August goal. We all went nuts, and I'm like, oh, well, you, you're, you're saying Harry's doing Harry things. Harry's playing terribly, but he's still scoring. Still getting goals, right? Which is great. Um, you know, Sun's playing terribly. He's not scoring, so that's the difference. Sonny played better at Fulham though. Sonny, Sonny was unlucky. Oh, give me He did. He played very well. Which is why I was a bit surprised that he didn't have a better game today. Yeah, yeah, I thought. That, that was a reversal. He just had a couple hiccups, almost goals that just couldn't quite go in. Well, see, I'll, 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 give, I'll give you a perfect reason why, okay? Son cannot hold the ball. You can't pass the ball to him when he's facing his own goal and he's got a defender behind him and you pass the ball into his feet. He cannot hold the ball. If you have another a number 10 midfielder that's facing that way and Son is running onto the ball towards their goal, that's when Sun's great. And because we don't have that midfielder, Sun is not playing well. Well, give me your MVP, Rick. We're going to move this conversation. Against Fulham? God. Yeah, Fulham. Um, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> um, uh, Decky didn't... Well, I, th- I think Richarlison had a really good game. Um, and he got the start? Yeah, and he got the start. Yeah, I'll go with Richarlison again. Okay. Uh, um Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy that somehow we t- went through his whole match and never mentioned his name, uh, Ryan Sessegnon. I thought he was fantastic <laughs> this game. No, good point. Like, and he and was instrumental to the Kane goal as well. Yeah, like, he yeah. Was he was all over. He was attacking. He, he was great. I think across the board, everybody, most everybody, had a very good game. Uh, yeah. LVP today is going to be Well, tough. he's another player, but when he's facing the opposition goal, he plays well. When he faces our goal, he doesn't play well. We really need that midfielder. I'm going to bark on about this until we buy him. Well, and let's go back to that question. Like uh, your Champions League final, um, you have to pick uh, one of our left backs. Do you do you pick Sassanian or do you pick Perisic? I think you take Perisic for the just for the experience factor. I mean, he's been to so many CL finals. Well, I would say, uh, yeah, I would agree. I would say you always have the opportunity to sub him off for. But I'd be like, I would start with the guy that the moment's not going to overcome him. But I still think it's early days for Cess. I think six months from now, we might be having a different conversation. I hope we're having a different conversation. Well, I actually found out recently that he's actually hired a personal trainer to avoid... The you know the hamstring injuries and oh, really? whatever. Well, yeah. He's put on like ten kg yeah, muscle exa- in like yeah, the last exactly. six months. So he's doing training with Spurs, but he's actually hired a personal trainer as well. So which shows exactly the kind of spirit that you want in the yeah, team, the yeah. drive that you want. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I, and he like he definitely deserves credit for that. Um, Peter, who, who did you uh, have for MVP? Uh, Richarlison again. I'm becoming a little fanboy. Um, but I think it was clear. His first start, I thought he was tremendous. And had he got that volley, oh, I mean, global Spurs would have lost their collective shit. Yeah. It sends goosebumps just thinking about it had he nailed it. But, you know, as it was, Richarlison. 
And I guess. Oh, one quick thing on that, that I don't understand. They they ruled they go all offsides, right? And it didn't well, no, count at everything. Like the but how come post. Yeah. how come the yellow card yeah. that he got for celebration stood? Uh, I thought everything after that, that should be gone. Well, he, yeah. he should have got a yellow card but for his, his tan, Peter, his sort of tan lines. Yeah. First of all, I, wasn't I mean, thinking that's about the, the one that red like, card offense. The one that he actually scored that got chalked off. That's not what I thought Peter was talking about. I thought it was no, the one the, where he did the, the scissor, the yeah. scissor volley off the outside of the boot. The hip Yeah, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Talking about hoddle. I mean, that's the thing that flashed through your mind. That would have been on every Spurs montage for like social media for the next 100 years. We'd still be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree about the yellow card, but we don't want to go down the VAR route because that is, that's a big hot topic right now and we don't want to go there. No, we're not going to be there. No. Um, Lucas, who did you have again? Uh, my MVP was, who did I say? Oh, I think I had Sesson Young as well. I just I really like the way he kind of like drove us forward in that second half, and there was there was a huge that that gap between forty and seventy five when we had goal one versus goal two. There was a really big. It was nervous because you, you were always kind of waiting for Fulham to hit you on the break. So like for us, I thought he was the driving force, and I would give a shout out to Kulichevsky as well when he came on. It seemed that like that made a huge difference in terms of like actually getting forward and trying to that hunger for trying to get that second goal. Yeah, I, I have uh, Sess as well. Uh, let's go to LVP. Rick, uh, what do you have? Um, um, Tough. I don't, I don't know. Um, Does anyone have one? Because I do. If I, I, I have it? one. It's probably harsh. Um, so is mine. Is yours... Romero? Thank yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, we're okay. he's losing, I mean, losing Mitrovic. Yes, yeah. Thank you. You didn't, you didn't play poorly. Yeah. But that game was like he, he he did fine and he did everything he was supposed to do, but as soon as we went two nil up, he literally just switched off his brain mentally and just that goal that Mitrovic scored wasn't a brilliant finish as the commenter said. It was a lack of effort from Romero. Romero let him take it. Like you know, this is a guy that's capable of hitting that, and Romero was so lazy on it. He just he went to like a two nil happy place, being like, ah, oh, this is in the bag, and didn't care. And the irony is, as soon as they bashed that in. They within, were on us. Within 90 seconds, they had another one, the exact same type, that clipped like the top corner, like the top 90, and flicked over for a corner. Yeah, it, was it was like a deflected, deflected weirdo. Deflected, yeah. yeah. But it's like that's all it took was one yeah. minute of laziness to invite a team that really wants to get a result right back on top of us, and that's what Romero did. With but, that, that, but, that's, that but that's the beauty of having a world-class manager like Conte, because you know he pulled him aside and went... Or we'd you, have been you in his know ear. What you, oh, did. 100%. you know what you did. Yeah. You you switched off and you know you you've got to be on it like the whole game. You know, you know he did that. And it, it seems a little bit like double-edged sword because I, I try to not give somebody the MVP for one moment of brilliance, but I, I mean one moment of being that lazy in that situation almost cost us points there. Fair yeah. point. And he uh, and I'm just gonna jump in. The, he's my LVP as well. Uh, does anybody have any anybody else? No, uh, I, I'll go with that. All right. Okay. Same thing. Okay. Fair, fair shouts off of there. Um, so let's move this uh, conversation into previews. Uh, so we've got two games coming up, so we will be recording uh, next Tuesday after the match w once again. So uh, we'll have a fresh take on the Champions League match coming up. But first, we're going to preview this uh, Manchester City away match. Yeah, so we're is, fucked. <laughs> yeah, so this is the away fixture. So we're in third place, but they are currently sitting in second. That's 14 points. Four wins, two draws. Um, 
they had a most recently had a one-one draw away to Villa. Uh, they are playing um, Dortmund this Wednesday, so they got an extra day rest after the match. Um, um, Holland is just killing it right now he, uh, with ten goals. He's their top goal scorer. Uh, you have De Bruyne's uh, facilitating four assists. Um, we know how we do against these guys. We we won both last year, but we smash uh, them. That's what we did. Lost both the previous year before that. So what do we expect uh, this time around? Um, um, this this could well be a shootout between us and Holland. You know, it, he could get three and we could get four. I mean, this is the kind of game. Because Unfortunately, we, they have other players though too, so <laughs> we could still lose eleven. Details, we, details. We beat Holland. No, but that's 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 the point I'm making because you know he's on fire right now, and but the way they play is built for us. So if we, you know, if we can play to our strengths on the counter attack, we could easily get a couple of goals. But Holland can easily get a couple of goals as well. So he's you know, a machine. Like I mean, it, it, oh, he's a, he's, it, a he's got injury issues, but the, I mean, this guy could be a better long term than I, Kane um, for for sure. Like like if he's healthy, he's he, he's a monster. Uh, he's Frankenstein's monster. No, I, he, I, I he's sw- almost I, the perfect footballer. I swear, he's a Japanese robot designed to be the perfect footballer. <laughs> That's well, what he is. He's got the supporting cast that Kane doesn't have either, too, which is going to keep him. Yeah. Nicely fed. When you, when you got De Bruyne uh, sending you the ball all the time, that, that makes it pretty easy to score. Well, and, and this is something that I think, A, I'm not going to sit here and have the, like, the gall to say, oh, Holland's not that good. You guys are talking out of your ass. Like, like, let's calm down. But in the same sense, we do need to remember they're going to go play a team that actually knows how to defend, and that's us. Their wins thus far are West Ham, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Palace, Nottingham Forest, Villa. Or no, excuse me, excuse me. They drew to Newcastle and Villa, and then beat Sevilla. So now they're going to go play a team that's like, all right, well, we want to defend and we want you to have the ball, and we're also a team that is going to go to the Etihad and be like, we're not us. When we go to Stamford Bridge, we piss ourselves. That ground scares the hell out of us. That's what most teams feel when they go there. When we go there, we got Lucas Moore being like, "Well, I'll score in 19 seconds off a of, like off a corner. I'll get subbed in, and then during COVID, they'll make a video of how to wash your hands. Spend more time washing your hands than it took Lucas Moore to come on and score against City. Like we're taking the piss on these videos. So it, it's like, yeah, we we have no fear when we go to this place. We got Sun. This is Sun's ground. If he wants to break out, this is the time to do it." And Decky would it take him five minutes into his Spurs career as a starter to go score at the Etihad? Like, like I, I, that's the thing is, on paper, yeah, we might lose this game by 12. We might get annihilated. But knowing how these guys treat this ground, treat this team, how Conti treats this ground, this team, I think City's more, they're going to be more nervous about this game than we are. This is a free hit. Let's go have a game, sit behind the ball, let them, we'll park the bus a bit, and we'll hit them on the break. Well I, well, I actually want to make a, another point uh, separate to everything else. Um, they sold Jesus and got Haaland. And Haaland is not scoring goals from outside the box and overhead kicks. He's not doing that. He's, he's tapping them in from two yards, which is what Jesus should have been doing. Do you see what I mean? So it's a really a detriment to Jesus that he wasn't doing that with the same players around him. 
you know, with, you know, so... Uh, well, he, he wasn't he, playing that much. Well, he, he just, was just, just wanted to get a pick much. Arsenal dig in. <laughs> he, uh, I always try, try and do it. I'm um, here for it. He wasn't, he wasn't playing that much because he wasn't scoring that much. If he was scoring regularly, he would have played regularly. They're not dropping Haaland, are they? But they've also tra- changed the, the, the team. No, they haven't. There's no, there's the no Sterling's difference. also gone. This is a different team than, than, uh, than well, what we Stirl- based Well, Sterling was the one player in their team that gave the ball away. I watched that Chelsea game. Who did they play in the last game? Southampton. Southampton. And within the first 10 minutes, because you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of the England players. Anti-Sterling. I, yeah, I'm very anti-Sterling. <laughs> I, watched, I watched that Chelsea game and I watched Sterling. He gave the ball away 12 times in the first 10 minutes. 12 times. That's why Guardiola got rid of him. Because he gives the ball away. Yeah, and, and, but again, I, I think that they've, they're, they're just a monster when you talk about them on paper. It's, this is a team that just won the league without a proper striker. They won the league and then just said, well, let's just go out and buy the best striker in the world. So it's like, Okay, that's horrifying. And then sold two of the Yeah, and then sold a couple of yeah, just yeah, we'll get rid of these other guys. It's like the and year before, it's like the year the before where they're like, Well, we just won the league, let's just go spend a hundred whatever mil on Grealish. Who's gonna come off the bench in Champions League semifinals? Like And do so, nothing. And, yeah. and arguably. They might fuck be it. regretting <laughs> that. Yeah. But so the thing though is against Newcastle they were down what, three one? Again, that was away. Against Palace, they were down two nil. So this isn't a team, they're not infallible. Now imagine if they had that same kind of, if they go down 2-0, if they go down 2-0 against Tottenham Hotspur, do you think Conti is as sloppy as Newcastle and Palace in the sense that we're just going to concede that right away because we're naive and keep trying to push for it? No, we're going to say, we trust our defense, we trust how we're set up, you keep coming at us, we'll keep hitting you the way we're hitting you. And that's where I'm like, yes, I, I mean, we all feel pretty bad about this and the smart money says bet on City. But if anyone's got a chance to actually go beat them thus far, it's us. We're probably the only team that probably can. Well, some teams are just bogeymen for other teams, right? In every sport, this happens, right? And we are Manchester City's bogeyman. So, you know, we just just do really well against And Crystal Palace, for some reason. Hmm. Crystal Palace do very well against Man City, for some reason. Yeah. Are, Are you worried about this new setup? The, uh, the, the city setup. Yeah, they have a striker now. Oh, it's terrifying! It's absolutely terrifying. I mean, we're all being rather positive, and Rick, I think you're probably right. It could be a bit of a goal fest, but I still think it's more likely than not that they'll score more goals than we will, um, unless this is the game where Sonny gets his first hat trick. That's the sort of thing that's going to have to happen this weekend. Well, um, they're, they're weak in central, uh, central defence. You know, they're playing Stones and uh, the other guy. I can't remember his name. The other English Laporte. guy. Laporte? Is he still no, Laporte is injured. That's, oh. that's oh. the point. I mean, he's long-term injured. So. Crap, I love when Laporte plays against us. <laughs> <laughs> he usually gives up a few freebies. So that, that's why they're having a bit of a dodgy, dodgy uh, moment in the back. FA Cup final. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> well, let's... Uh, Let's do predictions and let's start with Peter. Um, I think probably Rick's on the right track, so 2-2. And I would think um, Kane and perhaps Decky get a goal. Yeah, do you think Decky will start this? I I think I got a a feeling he will. I I do, yeah. 
Yeah, I think we need that creativity. Like, um, I think there's a reason why we're Carlson started twice in a row. That's Agreed. a great show. Uh, Jeff? Oh, man, 2-2 two, two is what I thought, too. I think uh, Kane will score both goals. Yeah, the, I, I, think, I think Kane wants to prove something to Holland. That's a, that's a good prediction as well. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's go to Rick. Um, I'm going to go for uh, the magnificent scoreline of 3-3 three, three with two hat-tricks with two of the best strikers in the world, Kane and Holland. Oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it could happen. <laughs> Imagine the media... That's, uh, what, that's what I'm saying. The, yeah, the, like, the media will just go insane if like that happens. The, the, their heads would just explode. <laughs> like There would be blood all over the, the camera. But Harlan would still get most of the headlines. Hey, yeah, yeah. Like, like Kane who? Yeah. Well, I'm always fine with that. Keep us, out of the, just keep us out of the tabloids, out of the headlines. I'm like, fine by me. Oh, um, what about the commentator today? Yeah. <laughs> Look, they want to root for City the whole game. We're used to that. Uh, I'm actually going to have the first positive prediction here. Say we win 3-2. Just because of everything Peter said, where it's like, you go into this game, it's more, it's much more likely than not that they will walk away with more goals than we have. That being said, we've had that exact same thought going into the last, what, eight times we've played City. And every time it's like, they it, shit the bed and we walk out of there like yeah, it, held, heads held high like heroes. Yeah, it's actually a stress-free game. Oh for us. yeah, it's a because free like, hit. Total stress-free. It's a free hit. It's like we, not, we could easily get hammered four 0 and, and everybody might wouldn't, expect wouldn't that. Wouldn't bother the hell out of us. But it's also kind of like Russian roulette with these guys for the last couple of years. We've been coming up lucky. At some point, that luck's going to run out. Yeah. I'm not saying it's this yeah, weekend. It, did. it was the cup final, and then we re- we re-upped. Fair enough. We re-upped, and now we're like, well, we beat you two in a row. Now we'll get three in a row. And then we'll lose a cup final in April. So (laughs) we'll worry about that then. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, yeah, 3-2, goals for Brace for Kane. And then, like, a late Richarlison winner just to rip their hearts out of their chests. Wow. You know, uh, I'm going to go with the 3-2. I'm going to... I think it's going to be that back and forth, back and forth, and I'm just. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Kane's going to have two. Holland's probably going to have both of those goals because uh, he's just a fucking machine, and we're not going to be able to keep him off the board. But I think we're going to outscore him, and so Kane with two, and I think Sonny gets off the board here because I think he gets uh, he can get behind teams that come after us, and and the, the, this is ready made for him if. Any time is going to bring him out of his funk. It's going to be now. Uh, so that's my prediction there. Uh, so let's move it along. So uh, next week on Tuesday, we uh, take on uh, Sporting po- Portugal away. That's an uh, um, early match. Uh, so like uh, I, I think that's 5.45 in England. It's 11.45 here. Um, I didn't really put any put together any information on this squad, but they did uh, manage to work out a victory against Frankfurt today. So, um, uh, so they are going to be our competition in this group, most likely. It seems like, uh, uh, at least if we judge by this first week. Um, how are you guys feeling about this? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a quick a quick scouting report from Facebook. Um, <laughs> somebody posted on Facebook. He said, "I watched this game, blah blah." If you didn't watch it, I'll give you a little uh, update. And apparently they both played absolutely fucking terrible. They kept giving the ball away. Both teams, midfields were non-existent. They were both really bad, according to this person on Facebook. 
Um, the fun thing about Sporting Lisbon is that Marcus Edwards plays for them. So it would be fun to see you know, how he looks now. You know, he was going to be the next big thing until he bailed on Potch. So. Oh, does see he play this... regularly, do you know? Or... I think so, yeah. I think he gets, he, he gets yeah, one he of gets the minutes. better players in Portugal. Yeah, so. he, he gets minutes. I, I was going to say that's the fun, fun thing I was going to say was that this is where Eric Dyer, like, this was Eric Dyer. Yeah, yeah, this was it's his, a, the this Dyer was his first right. club. This is, so, yeah, to me, I'm like, this will be, um, I, I, again, it's in the Champions League, it's always about just getting a good result away. Like, get the, get the point away, win at home. Point away, win at home. If we can go and get, we we don't know enough about this team to like sit here and break down how we're gonna beat this Portuguese side. But if we can go out there and we can give a proper effort, like, I mean, I, there, there's if we can go play our best football, which we've yet to see this season, there's not many teams in here. I'd say bring me Juventus, bring me PSG. Like, so if we can go play our best and we can go do it away at Sporting, like, there's no reason we can't get three points. But at the very lo- like at the least. Like Conti said, if you can't win the game, don't lose it. Yeah. And that's huge for Champions League. So it's like, just don't go... If, if we go out there and we do something stupid, Romero gets a red card, or, or like something crazy happens, like that could... That's the shit you want to avoid. Just go out there and get a result. Yeah, talking about bringing our game. If we bring our Southampton game, we bring our Fulham game, we should roll them without a problem. Thing is, we got a West Ham game in us. Um, and you know, away, that could raise its ugly head. And it could end up being a squeaky bum 1-0, which I'll take. But uh, I think we should roll them without too much of a problem. Yeah. And if we have a problem, I think that's, uh, that's a bad sign. Well, and if we have a problem, go back to Conte's plan, don't lose. Um, that's, uh, I, I think uh, if we do that there, we're probably fine in this group. Like, Wait, if, you, if you win your home games and you draw your away games, you get 12 points. You, you, you qualify first, basically. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, plus we don't know what the rotation's going to be, right? We've got City on Saturday and then this game on Tuesday. That's awfully close. So, well, But given that, even with our rotation now, we've been pretty happy with our rotation. So I don't think there's a team that we can put out that none of us will be terribly worried about final thoughts and predictions well i think the most important thing is when you brought on rotation there i think conte proved today that he trusts everyone and i think that's massive in terms of rotation today we were one nil up or no we weren't even at the point where we it was still nil nil and we were pushing for our first goal and his subs were to bring on ben davis and tanganga like, so in a Champions League game, Tanganga hasn't played since January, and the time you bring him on is when you're pushing for a goal at home. No, we, no we were leading at that point. I think we? Yeah, no, I think, no, 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 we were. No, because no, before I, the goal, yeah. yeah. I thought he was playing yeah. for the draw. Yeah. Because I looked at Peter, yeah. and Peter's like, I would have lost money on that bet. Like, because yeah. we were like, we should make some subs. And, and then he brought right, on. It was after the red card, that's what I was yeah, yeah. So, but, but again, even so, it's like you thought to bring on Ben Davis and Tanganga as your subs when you're chasing a goal in the Champions League when Tanganga hasn't played since January. So that proves to me that whatever the rotation he has in his head, he's already got it made a few steps ahead. He's playing chess and we're playing checkers. He's got his steps way ahead of it. Well, to be fair, he probably realised... The red card helped. Yeah, yeah. he probably realised that Marseille were not going to be attacking that much. Absolutely, but it, it still shows that if push comes to shove, we know that Ben Davis can go give a performance at Juve away in the Champions League. Champions League finals, quarterfinals. These are all guys that can do it. So 
if Conti trusts him, I think we should all back him and be behind the idea that whatever the rotation is, Conti's he's got it planned in his head, and I think he's going to convey that message to the team, and that we'll be all right. Let's go to predictions. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Lucas this time. I'm going to go two one, uh, old fashioned two one Kane Sun. Peter uh, three nil, Sunny two, Richarlison one. This is a big game for Sonny, too. This is the game. Outside of City when he gets a hat-trick. <laughs> Jeff? Um, I'm going to say 4-0. Uh, I say Son, Richarlison, and uh, Sessegnon with two. Rick? I'm going to make it easy for Tommy. 3-0, uh, two for Richarlison, and one for Kane. Like I have done for practically every game this season. I'm going to say a modest 1-0. Uh, I, I think uh, we're just, especially away, we're just going to grind this out. But um, I think we get the goal from Sun here. Um, let's um, have final thoughts before we wrap up the episode. Any uh, final thoughts? Like a lot of the matches we talked about here, just in general. Lucas? Yeah, final thoughts. Um, me and Peter, we discussed this outside the pub after we dropped points against West Ham. Um, and that was assuming that we'd get the points against Fulham, which we did. So I know we're not playing our best football, but we've played six games. We've won four, have not been beaten. We've drawn two. And the two that we've drawn are against teams whose Super Bowl it is to play us at home. West Ham and Chelsea at home, that's like that, that like them playing Spurs at home is their favorite thing to do. So the fact that we were able to go there and get a point out of either of those two I mean, we're sitting here after six games tied with, oh my gosh, Man City, the gods that they are. We're tied with them on points. So as much as it hasn't been pretty, let's stay the course. Let's keep backing Conti and our boys, and I think we're going to figure it out. Uh, Jeff? Um, yeah, I mean, it's winning ugly, and I think we're going to see a lot of this all year and have to get used to it. But these are games that we never used to be able to win, right? We always drop these games, and now we finally are winning them. So and, and drawing, it's, well, uh, it's not nice to watch, but it's positive. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my problem. Um, winning without playing well, you know, um, you know, we could easily end up with a trophy, and it's going to hurt. Me personally, if we play this way and win a trophy. Ah, but that's not the game plan. That's just something we're putting through right yeah. now. Yeah. It will come. It will come. I right now we're so. suffering through it, and that's the important thing, is it will come if we continue, if we can stay healthy and we can stay on the course. Like, we will start. Somebody's going to get absolutely put to the sword, and I can't wait to see who And I think that's just some a matter of time. walk into White Hart Lane yeah. and get dropped seven. And I think so, that, that's going to happen at some point. Oh, I'm yeah. going to keep going back to my practicing point. We are, we're not there yet. No, we're not it'll, it'll, Conte's it come, vision yet. It will come. The winning ugly thing is not the game plan. Nope. It's just a symptom of the disease that we're kind of like just getting out of our system and then it, we'll start bashing it, teams. It's something he knows that he has to do oh, yeah. until that point. Um, when we get to that point when we're playing yeah. the way he wants He's us. doing what he needs to do, what he has to do, but it, he will get to that point where he has the team that he wants and it still might not, you know, turn Rick on. Well, well that's, that's the funny thing because... You know, as, as, as Lucas mentioned, you know, we, we picked up so many points and, you know, we're unbeaten and everything else. And to my mind, we're playing awful. If we suddenly turned it on, oh my God. That's what I said. Somebody's going to get an absolute uh, pound. No, I mean, no, I mean. <laughs> we haven't played Bournemouth yet. I don't mean. Some, some, I, no, I don't mean. When we play Norwich, can they come back up? 
I don't mean suddenly turn it on for one game. I mean suddenly turn it oh, on it will. for like like 13 wins in a row kind of thing. God, oh my God, if that happens, Jesus. Everybody, everybody else is going to walk out. And when out. Conti's Chelsea did that, when, they, when Conti's Chelsea went on the 13 games in a row run, one shy of the record, the only thing to stop them was Deli Alley at White Hart Lane. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> good, good, good. So, job. hey, we'll, I'll take that. I'll take 12 on the bounce, minus a Deli. I'll take 12 on the bounce any day, but I think this is probably a good place to wrap up the episode. So thank you so much to, to Rick, Jeff, to, uh, Peter, and uh, Lucas. Um, and thanks to Tom and he, Tommy for editing tonight, uh, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Great to be recording here. Uh, find us on uh, our many media platforms and hit the subscribe button and write us reviews where you can. Um, find us on our uh, Twitter and Facebook at 4 Spurs and our website at 4 Come on,